It's so hard to make a dentist appointment. Is anyone else noticing this? Like you go every six months and you at that six month appointment, you make the next six month appointment. And anytime you can't make it, they look at you like you're a crazy person. They're always like, excuse me? Excuse me, no. The dentist is booked for the next 17 years. If you don't keep your six month appointment, your teeth are gonna fall out. Hey everybody, it's Teresa. Welcome to Exaggerated. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get into it. Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of Exaggerated. I'm so glad that you're here, episode 17. I hope you guys had a great week. Um, I had a really chilled out, relaxing week. Um, um, this is my first week back from vacation with my entire extended family. So I feel like I've just been catching up on rest and just a, a calm brain. We had all the nieces and nephews and cousins all in one big house. It was so much fun, um, but it was super, super crazy. Uh, I was gonna talk a little bit more about that, but I think what's right away on my mind is of course the SAG after a strike. Um, you may or may not know that the Writers Guild of America is on strike, has been on strike for a few months, and SAG-AFTRA, which is the actors union that I am a part of, um, went on strike as of like 3 a.m. Uh, this You guys will be hearing this in a week, so like one week uh, we've been on strike. Um, and it's it's exciting. It is a good thing. I will start by saying it is 100% a good thing. It's necessary for the contract negotiations. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that in super, super layman's terms um, because it's just so forefront of my mind right now. Um, but it's also really scary and it's really sad. And um, all actors want to do is audition and work and create art and uh, but we also need to be able to live off of it and we also need to be able to get paid um so that's why something like this strike is is so important um i went to the dentist this week that's going to be great i'm gonna tell you a little bit about that and it reminded me of a time that i went to the dentist when my daughter was super small and it was such a nightmare and i should have just canceled the appointment um but you learn you know you live and you learn and then you know we're just going to talk and, and have a silly time uh and I hope you guys find this entertaining and fun. Reach out to me as always um, if there's anything you want to hear about or anything you're thinking about. Um, I do have some shows coming up in July. Uh, July 18th, I'm doing a show at Stand Up New York. It's a, like a hot pepper show. It's so funny. Um, the The premise of this stand up show is that uh, one of the comedians, say there's like five comedians, one of the comedians eats an extremely hot pepper um, and has to do their set with that craziness going on inside their mouth. I, it sounds like, oh, okay, what's the big deal? Like what? It's the funniest thing you will ever watch. If you're around, if you live in New York City, come on July 18th to, um, to to this hot pepper show, it's so funny. Um, I'm promoting it on my Instagram as well, but it's just the funniest thing to watch some of the funniest comedians just try to get through their set and get through their jokes, even jokes I've heard before and they're doing so after eating like this crazy spicy pepper. It's just so funny. It's such a funny concept. And I did the show once before, but I was not in the hat to eat the pepper because I was super pregnant. So I, I reached out to the producer of this show recently and it's a good friend of mine. And I was like, I, I wanna do the show, not pregnant. I wanna be able to be uh, in the running to, to eat this pepper. So I don't know, I guess I'll, Tell you guys more about that if I end up eating the pepper. Come to the show; it's really fun. Um, I'll I'll promote it on Instagram because I just realized I think this will come out after that date. I don't ever know what day it is. Anyway, um, so 
this strike. Okay, so SAG is striking. There are, I'm seeing, okay, let me see how I wanna organize my thoughts. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people online that are not artists, that are not actors, that of course don't understand this union and they don't understand how important it is for us to strike. And they're saying things like, actors are ungrateful, actors are already paid so much, um, are, are the, do these big, I saw somebody say like, oh, Tom Cruise needs another million dollars. And it's like, first of all, I understand that those people are just ignorant and they don't understand what they're saying or what they're talking about. But essentially, the Tom Cruises of our business, of the entertainment industry, makes up about one to 2% of the entire SAG-AFTRA organization. Most actors are just everyday people and it's their art and it's their job. And you need to make, to qualify for health insurance, you need to make $26,000 a year through SAG-AFTRA projects. It could be movies, it could be TV, it could be voiceovers, it could be commercials. It doesn't matter what it is, but it has to be a SAG-AFTRA job, $26,000. That's how you get your health insurance. It's hard enough to get that doing commercials or doing background work. Not everybody is is auditioning for a series regular role and making their debut on Netflix. Like the amount of people that are getting these roles is is such a small pool. So twenty six thousand dollars is obviously not enough to live on. That's why you hear about the survival job. That's why you hear about all these people always having a side gig, a survival job, a, a business, something else going on, because that's not a livable wage. So what the, the two main things right now, and things will be developing, probably by the time this comes out, there will be a whole slew of, of new information. But currently, the two main points in the contract that we can't uh, find a suitable agreement to is residuals, which is how an actor is paid after they've done an episode of a show, every time it airs on cable television, they get an amount of money. That's cable television. We're talking about streamers, Netflix, Amazon Prime, all of these, Disney, all of these places streaming this and making money based on re-showing all these movies and TV. The actors aren't getting any of it. The people in those movies, the writers who wrote those movies aren't getting any of it. So if you're sitting there going, oh, well, actors don't need a lot of money, and you think actors are Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling promoting their Barbie movie, no, that's the 0.0001% of it all. It's people like me who have movies on Amazon Prime and have never seen a dollar of it. I made these movies years ago and maybe got paid a SAG low-budget rate, and it was barely enough. It wasn't even a month of income. So I think ultimately we have to remember that these negotiations are happening for the entire organization and for all these everyday actors, because acting is a job. We don't ask doctors to just, oh, you know what, just perform that surgery. You'll get exposure. Make, um, hey, could you please operate on my knee? It's dislocated. I don't have any money or insurance, but I'll tell all my friends about you. And then you'll be the go-to knee doctor in all of New York City. Isn't that great? A surgeon would look at you and say, what? Please leave. I mean, we don't even have to get into the healthcare aspect. That's probably a bad comparison because healthcare is also a hot mess. But the point is, is that there are people hoarding all of this wealth, all of these CEOs. The CEO of Disney makes $27 million a year. 
And he was went in an article and said that actors and writers will just lose their houses and then the negotiation time will run out and they'll get what they want. Like one person does not need to make $27 million when you're not, he's not writing the shows, he's not acting the shows. I challenge the Disney CEO, Bob Iger, to get in a movie and act in it and be good at it or 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 be a a director or be a a writer like just, you can't okay you might be good at doing whatever you do in the boardroom good live your truth but you're not an artist so back off but anyway the second um part of these negotiations that we're we're not able to agree upon is the entry of ai and this should be scary for every industry what is happening right now with the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA strike should scare the world because what they want to do, for example, is say I'm a background actor in a movie. Background actors are the people eating in the cafe while the two leads are having their big fight, whatever. So they want to be able to take that performance of that background actor, their likeness, their voice, their appearance, their body shape, scan it, use AI, be able to then, based on that one performance that they were paid for, so you're paid this one day rate, say your day rate is $200, you get $200, they want to be able to use your likeness, your voice, your body, your face, forever as AI so that they can then make these shows cheaper, faster, easier, without having to hire people like myself and other actors. So there are a lot of actors that if, if they're up and coming or if they're just trying to make ends meet, trying to make their health care. I know a lot of people that are teachers that do background work in, uh, in the summer just as like a side job and to get health insurance and whatever, they're using these jobs to make their make enough money to get their health insurance, for example, and just to live their life. And they're not gonna be able to do like it just you it's so scary to think that that there's someone somewhere um thinking that they can just AI people and just use them that way. And I know this is supposed to be funny and this is supposed to be a comedy podcast, but Right now, I think we need to recognize that this is also entertainment and and we create things, film and television and podcasts and comedy and 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 drama and all these shows and characters that you know and love were written by someone and created by someone and brought to life by someone. And at the end of the day, that's what this is about. This is about real people doing their real creative jobs and some big fat cat CEOs treating Hollywood like a tech company and only looking to scale, 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 make it bigger, 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 and then realizing, oh wait, if all the creators walk out, what do you have? You have nothing. So that's what's going on right now. So it definitely has me a bit nervous. Um, I will lighten it a little bit and I'll talk to you now about when I got my SAG card. And you're probably like, oh my God, I'm gonna tune out because this sounds awful. Um, I joined the union in 1997. Yep, you heard that right, guys. I became a union member in 1997 and SAG and AFTRA were separate. They had a merger. So it was just AFTRA when I joined. Um, I did a couple episodes of Saturday Night Live and Conan O'Brien, just these little piddly shows you guys might have heard about. Um, no big deal. When people say, why are you an actor? I tell them that when I was eight years old, 
Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry were playing with my hair on some kind of weird risers on the set of Saturday Night Live and Brendan Fraser was the host and I had the time of my life and it was so fun and silly and crazy and what else would you be? And then someone gave me money for that and I was like, wait, what? This is a job? And then I was sucked in and now somehow, all those years later, I'm still here. But I remember being on the set of Saturday Night Live and the holding area before we did the show um, was the Rosie O'Donnell set. Do you guys remember that show in the 90s, Rosie O'Donnell? What a dream. Um, so we were sitting on that set, just hanging out, waiting to go. And a union rep, actually, my mom and I didn't know anything. I'll tell you a little bit in a second about how I auditioned for um, Saturday Night Live at such a young age. But um, like the union rep came up to us and questioned us, how many times have you worked on these shows? What are you being paid? How were you hired, et cetera, et cetera. And we didn't know anything. I was a kid. My mom used to like bring me to auditions because I thought it was fun. She's like, oh, she's high energy and kind of cute. Like, let's just go to this, you know, Manhattan models search, whatever. This is a story for a whole nother time. But anyway, um, so we didn't know anything about the unions or anything. And they were like, you're actually a must join for AFTRA because you've had a certain amount of jobs. You need to pay us this amount of money and you're now a part of the union. This is a union job. We were like, oh, okay. Like we didn't even know what it was. So I joined in 1997. And then um, that eventually we merged and became SAG-AFTRA and, and all that. But that was when it was just AFTRA and that was my first like union experience. And essentially the union just protects you. It makes sure you get paid. It makes sure you're not working too long. As a kid, I had all kinds of like different permits and stuff. So it's a little bit different then like like sometimes I'll have adult actors um, be like oh I'm a, I'm like a must join like I or I'm a I'm SAG eligible should I join should I not and like as an adult they're like I still do a lot of this work or I still do a lot of that and I'm always like I don't know because I was a must join I had I couldn't do the job that I showed up to do unless I joined um, so you kind of that traditionally that's how it used to be like you would get a job and then use some of that money from the job to join the union and then you could pay your dues and and get all of the perks and whatever but also being union is the move if if you're at a certain professional level because you can't do certain jobs. All the big TV shows, all of the big commercials are all gonna be union. Um, that's just kind of how it is. Non-union stuff exists for up and coming actors and smaller budget stuff, of course. Um, and there are ways to be both and, and this and that. But for the most part, most professional actors are SAG-AFTRA um, and that, that's how they do movies and TV, whatever. Um, so anyway, I... I remember I was just like a must join and I had to do that. And for my audition, this is a funny story. My audition for the Saturday Night Live thing, it was just like a, they just needed people to play the part. So like Saturday Night Live obviously has the cast of however many people. And then they, um, they need like other parts played sometimes, I guess. So they needed like a kid for something. There was another guy on set that day to like play my dad. I think like, I don't, they just need, it was like a regular audition for like an episode. And so um, I remember I did the audition and you're a kid, so they're not like, they didn't tell me what the skit was. It was like this gymnastics thing, but they didn't say anything about that in the audition. They just said, hey, tell us a story. What'd you do this weekend? Because I think with kids, a lot of times now in hindsight, like they're not looking to like 
have your story be like great stand up or like great television. They're just like, oh, can this kid like talk and be normal? And then we'll just tell her what lines to say the day of because it's probably not even written yet. It's a live thing, whatever. So basically I remember sitting in this like conferency type room and they were like, oh, just tell us a story. What'd you do this weekend? And I said, oh, we had a birthday party for Kevin Richardson of the Backstreet Boys. And they were like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, you know, my I was with my sister and my cousin and we had this birthday party. We had a cake. It was so good. We had this like strawberry cake. I told them all about it was a pool party, um, you know, this and that. And it was like the fall. So how could it have been a pool party? I think I was just like riffing and being like, yeah, and it was this and that because I think we were playing pretend and having a birthday party for this Backstreet Boy because I was like a tween girl. So that's obviously what tween girls do. And so I was telling them all and they were like, oh, great, cool, cool, cool. And I was so excited about it. It was so real to me. I was so animated. That was it. I left. They end up calling. They're like, oh, she got the job, this and that. And then I remember being on set talking to like one of the directors and he was like, oh, so this and that. And then he was like, so you're related to Kevin Richardson? That's pretty cool. Do you see him a lot? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you you were at Kevin Richardson's birthday party or something. It was it was in the notes that you like. So he probably <laughs> when the casting director was probably taking notes like, oh, blonde, black hair, tall, short, boy, girl, whatever they do to like choose the people. They probably wrote down like the story they told. And she just jotted down like Kevin Richardson's cousin, strawberry cake. Like she was probably like an intern that was like, I don't care. I don't know what's going on. Um, so it was really funny because I was like, I remember being like an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or something and being like, huh, like <laughs> they think I'm Kevin Richardson's cousin. Like they're gonna, they're gonna find out and like not give me the job. And I remember my mom being like, no, like that's not a thing. Like they don't actually care. I think they're just being like nice and trying to find common ground. But anyway, I basically got my SAG card because of Kevin Richardson. And now I am an actor on strike. And I will be picketing. I will be, you know, in complete solidarity with SAG and the writers um, because there's there's just no other side to take. I don't understand. I understand that people are just ignorant in the comments and the people that are just saying, oh, actors are greedy and this and that. They do just think actors are all Nicole Kidman and and Viola Davis and Tom Cruise. And they're not. Actors are artists and people. And there are all levels of this job and of entertainment and I would challenge you the next time you're enjoying something and the next time you're being entertained by art and film and TV, take a second and say, wow, somebody is acting in this. Somebody wrote this. Somebody edited this. Somebody is the sound person. Somebody is the dresser. Somebody is the PA. Somebody is just getting the coffees. Every single person down to craft services and down to to the people you know uh, set dressing and cleaning and organizing and um there are so many so many blue collar workers lighting and I, I mean i can't even begin to explain the amount of people in work and artistry that goes into just filming one scene of your favorite show so if you are curious about this if you would like to stand with us um, look it up, look up SAG strike, WGA strike, so, uh, SAG solidarity, W all hashtags on social media and, and stand with us and, and educate yourself and others about what's really happening and about how all of these billionaire CEOs are just trying to hold all of the wealth and trying to hold out on people. Um, 
literally just trying to make a living wage. Nobody's asking for millions and billions. We're just asking to be able to work in our trades and in our art and be able to take care of our families and ourselves. Um, so that being said, <laughs> that was kind of maybe too heavy, guys. I don't know. I love you all so much. Thanks for, if you're still listening. Um, I, I went to the dentist this week and ooh, let me just tell you, I love the dentist. I love the dentist so much. My dentist is so good. And it's not even, actually, I should say my dental hygienist is so good because my dentist wasn't there. They like called and they were like, we have to confirm your appointment. The dentist will not be available. And I was like, then how can I go to the dentist? And she was like, oh, no, no, uh, the, the dental hygienist is there. And she kind of does all the work anyway. And I was like, oh, her? I actually love her. Perfect. So it's, it's actually a lot like the actors and these billionaire CEOs. The dentist just comes in and takes a little look-see. And if there's no problems, he leaves. So I think if you have a healthy mouth, he's kind of getting all the credit. And and the dental hygienist who's really doing all the work and all the cleaning and, and polishing my teeth is really just doing the work. And then everybody says, the doctor said, the doctor said, no. I want to know what the dental hygienist says. Um, but yes, yeah, so they are basically like the dental hygienist can look at your thing anyway. Like it's fine if if there's no like glaring problems, it's really fine. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. It's so hard to make a dentist appointment. Why are dentists only working seven days a year at odd hours? Is anyone else noticing this? I feel like every time I call the dentist, I'm like, hi, can I like have an appointment? Like you keep your like sick, I get an appointment every six months. And I feel like you go every six months and you at that six month appointment, you make the next six month appointment. And anytime you can't make it in six months, I feel like they they look at you like you're a crazy person. Like anytime I've been like, oh, can I just change it? Or is there is it possible that I can do next week? They're always like, excuse me, excuse me, no. The dentist is booked for the next 17 years. If you don't keep your six month appointment, your teeth are gonna fall out. And so that being said, that's a perfect segue into the first time I went to the dentist after I had my daughter. So I'm like three and a half months postpartum, I think, four months maybe. And my daughter is four months old. And I take her to the dentist. Now, at this point, I I wasn't great at putting the car seat in the car, in an Uber, this and that. So I walked. And I remember I had to cross the park. I live in the Upper East Side. My dentist is on the Upper West Side. I had to go across the park with a stroller. Should I have baby wore her? Yep. But I had only been a mom for four months. I didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. So I crossed the park. I'm sweating. It's like summer. Um, oh my God, I guess this is like a year ago now. Anyway, so I'm huffing it through the park. I'm basically late. I'm drenched. When they first called and said, hi, we want to remind you of your appointment. I went, oh God, I was four months postpartum. I was, everything was overwhelming. Everything was confusing and scary and I didn't have a babysitter at the time and it's hard to find somebody to like watch your kid and it's hard to even know how to do hi I need to go to the dentist do I bring my baby so I remember saying to them on the phone when they called to confirm my appointment they were like hi you have an appointment it's like tomorrow at 11 o'clock can you come and I just went oh god can I bring my baby there and they were like excuse me and I was like I have a little tiny baby and I just had her and I don't know how the world works when you have a tiny baby and you have to go places where tiny babies don't usually go. And she said, oh, your kids can come. 
And maybe she thought I said I had a four-year-old. I don't know. But I don't think she realized I had a four-month-old. And I remember I put that little baby in the stroller and I crossed the park and she was like napping. And I was like, this could be perfect. This could work. That's every mother all the time is being like, this can work if. This 11 o'clock dental appointment can work if the stars align, my baby sleeps 13 hours, she has a nap, she goes to the bathroom, she's placed in the stroller just right, the sun is at exactly 84 degrees, and we walk across the park with a slant to the left. Like, every single thing in the world has to align, and then this can go fine. There is a world where for, I mean, how long does it take to get your teeth cleaned? 45 minutes is like the entire appointment, so maybe it's 30 minutes max. There is a world where she'll just be asleep or she'll be playing with something or we can give her a bottle and I can do the cleaning. Let me tell you that day, my baby child said no. And I went to the dentist and she woke up as we entered and she started screaming and she didn't want anything. She didn't want a bottle. She didn't want a boob. She didn't want a toy. She didn't want to go back to sleep. She didn't want to come out of the stroller. She didn't want to stay in the stroller. I needed x-rays. And I remember they were like, we're going to have to wheel the baby out of the room to do x-rays. And they wheeled her out and she was screaming. And I was like, this is the worst day of my life. And then they brought her back in for the cleaning part. And I remember I had my foot. If you're what, I'm going to have to explain this in case you're not watching on YouTube. Okay. I had my foot up on the edge of the baby stroller while I was laying flat, getting my teeth clean. So picture it, laying flat, the little spit sucker is in my mouth and I'm laying flat out and then my foot is hooked on the baby stroller and I'm bouncing, but I'm bum 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 bouncing the baby stroller. And then my baby finally calmed down and that was the only thing that would calm her down. And the hygienist was like, do you need help? And I was like, no, I mean, obviously I'm a one man band here with my buzzing cleaning and and jostling her around. And then I think eventually like a nurse came and took her into the hallway and like bounced her a little bit. And they were like, oh, she's so cute and this and that. And it, I've never sweat so much in my entire life. So that being said, don't take your tiny baby child to the dentist. Um, but I went back to the dentist this week and now they're always like, how's your daughter? Like they know because I think they just picture my absolute mouse trap of a body around the stroller bouncing her and trying to, to just get my teeth cleaned. And she was like, do you want to take a break? And I was like, no, please just continue because this is already horrid. Just clean them. And then I remember they said at the very end, we're so proud of you. Somebody with such a young baby, you know, they always usually just cancel. And I was like, I could have, how would I have canceled? You guys don't schedule. You guys, no one's available. No, I wouldn't have gotten my teeth cleaned for another decade. So anyway, I went back uh, this past week and it was so amazing. It was like the, the hygienist was like a little too rough and I love going to the dentist. So if you don't like the dentist guys, sorry for this because I'm maybe it's triggering for you. Um, but it felt like she removed my teeth and polished them in a machine and then pop, pop, popped them all back in. And it was so glorious and my mouth was like a little sore after, but it was gleaming white and tasted minty. And then she said, you wanna take a little toothbrush? And I was like, I do. I do. It's like the nostalgia of just leaving with a plastic toothbrush. Nobody's using those toothbrushes anymore. We're all using some version of an electric toothbrush. If it's not like a nice Sonicare one, it's like a, I have that like little crappy Oral-B like drugstore one. Like we're all using something like that. No one's using these flat homemade looking toothbrushes anymore. But yeah, 
I would like one. Please put it in the bag with a little Listerine gum health and a little a little um, a chapstick. There was a little chapstick. How cute is that? Anyway, I love the dentist. I don't love the dentist with a four month old. So I would advise finding someone to watch your baby. But how are you supposed to? Oh, hi, my husband could take the baby. Are you guys open at all? Oh, no, we're only open from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. every other Wednesday. Like, cool, dentists. I don't know, maybe I should have been a dentist. Imagine. Um, well, I don't know. I feel like I've been yabbering along louder, long enough. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I've got the ick and the love. And the ick might be a little bit longer today. It's also going to be, I think, an Instagram series now that I think about it, because we need to just ask the Internet about this. But my ick is cheap people. Let me say it again for those in the back. Cheap people is a huge ick. Now, don't hear this as, oh, every single person has to be rich. No, not at all. Not at all. It's one thing to be careful with your spending, to be frugal with your spending, to budget, fine. I'm talking about there is a difference between generous people and cheap people. And it's an energy. It could be about $1 or $100. It doesn't matter. There is an energy. There are people that think the world is scarce and there are people that think the world is abundant. And Cheap people are the kind of people that, you know, there are just certain relationships, right? Like if I'm with a good friend of mine and we're going out for coffee, I'll pick up the coffee this time, assuming maybe they'll get it next time. Maybe they won't. It's just the five dollars isn't as important to me as it is to that relationship. Right. So. When people are so clearly, I knew this girl and I remember one time we were working a par, uh, like a, we, I was doing events and stuff and we were working a party together and we ran to like a, a coffee shop on the corner and we weren't, we were like, we really just wanted a place to sit. I remember and like, cause the event we were working like had coffees and pastries and all kinds of things anyway, but we were like, oh, let's just get a cold brew like so that we could have the table to sit and talk. So we split it and she Venmo charged me for half of the price. That's a cheap person. I'm not saying you have to treat me to coffee. Ask me to pay for it initially. I would have. But it was just kind of like she was first at the counter. She paid for the coffee. And I was just kind of was like, oh, cool. Now, this was somebody at the time I was seeing like at least weekly. So I'm sure there would have been a time where I would have picked up lunch. I would have picked. So when there, I just don't like when people are super transactional about every single dollar. Because at the end of the day, while they're pinching pennies, they're losing dollars. Like you have, I find when you live generously and freely and abundantly, more money comes your way. So this is probably like a bigger thing um, that I'm going to put on Instagram and TikTok to talk about because my friend, my friend had this experience with this, this really strange, cheap guy on a date. But anyway, that's kind of what brought all this up. And she's probably laughing right now. But anyway, um, that is the ick. Don't be a cheap, scarce person. I'm not saying you have to buy your friends everything all day long. If you don't have the money, that's fine. If you can say, I can't afford that, I can't participate in that, fine. But you know the difference when you're just being super transactional about like $2 and not being just like generous and open because that's what's going to stop money coming to you, I feel like. Um, so that's my ick is like, don't be cheap. Just be like, I don't know, things cost money. If you're going out in the world, things cost money. Figure it out.
Um, and then my love, I've been doing a lot of doing a lot, ooh, a lot of wild times. No, um, I've been drinking a lot of Arnold Palmer's, like half iced tea, half lemonade. And there's a cafe around the corner that my daughter and I will sometimes stop at if I take her to the park. And they have the most amazing Arnold Palmer combination. And so my question is, are those still called Arnold Palmer's? Like I'm thinking in the can, Arnold Palmer was a golfer about one billion years ago. And it was half lemonade, half iced tea. And I think everybody knows it as that. Like it's called an Arnold Palmer. But like a lot of places that I've been noticing, like at this cafe, they have it as like iced tea. And then they're like iced tea add-ins, lemonade, raspberry, this and that. You could like put stuff in it. So I always just say, can I get a half iced tea, half lemonade? <laughs> And I always wonder, is the guy like, she's an idiot. She doesn't know that's an Arnold Palmer. Or if I go in and I'm like, sup, bro, Arnold Palmer, is he going to be like, I don't want to know about your man. I don't know about this man. What are you talking about? And then I'll have to awkwardly be like, oh, I mean iced tea and lemonade. Can I please have both of them in a cup with ice? And can you please charge me about 6 to $7 for it? And then I'll have to be like, Arnold Palmer was a golfer and he used to drink these and he mixed them together when he went on the court and then the guy is just going to stare at me. So I don't know, are we, are, can we universally call this beverage Arnold Palmer's or are we just talking ingredients, iced tea, lemonade? I got to know. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I love you guys so much. Reach out to me on Instagram, uh, TikTok, YouTube, all the places. I love you so much life is hard and let's just try to be there for each other and be kind to each other and have fun and be silly and that's my message this week just be present and silly and give yourself grace i love you so much bye this has been exaggerated thanks for sticking around till the end follow me on social media at timo lynn that's t-m-o-l-y-n-n and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and join the conversation by emailing me at exaggeratedpod at gmail.com. Until next time, don't forget, it's all a bit exaggerated.